Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. Welcome to episode 84. In this episode Andrew talks to Sherwin, who ambushes him with Matt Hart and Jamie Perkins, where they talk about the new captains, Bor, Yukai, Steeljaw and Morn. Andrew says that if I tell you, his listeners, listener, that the Patreon costs $5 a month, he said questionably, that uh, you'll get a whole bunch of extra content and I'll get to see my wife and kids. Which would be interesting, as I wasn't aware that I'd been married, but... uh, And I've not... I've stopped drinking quite some time ago. There's a small chance I'm rambling. Singled out. That'll do. Hello, welcome to Single Out, episode 84. Can you believe it? 84 episodes of this. I'm Andrew, and this is a podcast with Gilball Lynn. Today we have Sherwin. Hello. We have Matt. Hello. And we have Jamie. Hello. We have all the Steamforge crew today, and we're here to talk about captains. Um, uh, this is going to drop uh, on Friday, when I presume about 40 other podcasts will drop at the same time, or bombard the <laughs> internet with, with captain talk. Um, because on Friday, uh, well today in fact, um, many things are happening. Uh, we are having four captains get released, um, miners as well, is that correct? I lose track now. That yeah, about right to me. Yeah, we've, got, so. we've got four captains releasing, we've got the miners releasing, and the errata. Oh, and the errata, I forgot about the errata. Oh, it's funny how the water got forgotten about there. It was massive news a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, cool. Yes, yeah, so March is pretty crazy, isn't it? March is going to be epic. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so today we're going to talk about the four captains that are dropping. So we've got a uh, veteran captain, Boar. We've got uh, Yukai. We've got Steeljaw, and we've got Morn. So that is uh, butchers, uh, fishermen, uh, hunters, and morticians. So, uh, first of all, uh, who can say why 
have you decided to release more captains? Why? Uh, do you want me to tell the story? Uh, yes. Come. So, so um, this year, oh, sorry, last year was um, ended up being an incredibly busy year um, at, at Steamforged HQ, and and one of the casualties of that for me on a personal level was was not being able to play as many games, um, and that made me kind of sad. And I certainly didn't get nearly as many games of of, of Gilball as I would have liked to. So I was really look, looking forward to to SteamCon, uh, catching up with people who I haven't seen all year, um, and and maybe trying to you know grab a chance to throw some dice, which I did do. And I know uh, we're completely biased, but one of the things that, that grabbing a few games and I had some brilliant games um, uh, against uh, new players and and old people, you know, I was catching up with. Um, uh, one of the things that occurred to me is how much fun Gilball is and how much um, I, more I want to play it whenever I play it. So it, it's one of those very, you know, addictive games. And there are other games out there. Um, I mean, we're all, um, at, at, at Steamforge, we're all falling in love with X-Wing at the moment. And, we, and it has that same kind of, oh, just one more game. Um, but Gilball really just reignited, Steamcon reignited my love for Gilball. So Sherwin and I because we live um, not too far from each other. So we travelled down uh, from SteamCon and we were kind of buzzing um, and, and chatting about what we can do, you know, uh, what crazy ideas. And, you know, it felt very much like we were having that kind of gamer road trip kind of what if scenario conversation. And then we remembered that actually it was within our power to actually make this stuff happen. Um, so, uh, Sherwin grabbed his notebook. We started sketching a few ideas down. Uh, got terribly excited, and uh, the very next day, pinged Jamie and, and Bryce and, and kind of filled them in with the crazy plans. And um, the, the, I think it was the following week, Sherwin and I were back up in Manchester, um, sitting there with with Jamie and Bryce, uh, brainstorming out um, a whole bunch of ideas for captains, play styles, high level design directions. Um, what you know, how how cool can we make these? Um, and, and basically went into a really intense period of, of, of design and development. And, um, and what you see is, is, is the results of, or the first phase, um, uh, or the first set of captains, uh, the results of that, that work. So, uh, yeah, it all started with Steamcon and falling in love with the game again. So they've been turned out, turned out, um, pretty fast, really. Yes, yes, they have. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure Jamie will, will, will speak a little bit more to this. One of the things that we wanted to do was um, have a really long, hard look at our uh, playtest process to make sure that we were getting maximum bang for buck. Um, and, and by buck, I mean you know time invested. Um, but the the other thing that we realised very quickly was when we were develop when we're developing um, models for teams that we have been playing with between us on and off for four or five or six years now actually we have such a head start when it comes to um hitting a model that has a 90 percent balance already on first draft it actually meant that the the playtest process was far easier and far shorter and one of the other things that we wanted to do and i will let someone else speak in a second but um one of the one of the other things we did do originally was we wanted to keep this um to to utmost secrecy the idea was to was to just come out of the gates put them up on the website and just release them so in order for us to kind of maintain that um that sanctity of knowledge we had to kind of make sure that all the play testing was mostly done internally rather than using our wonderful um play test groups around the world 
but I'll, I'll let Jamie fill you in with a bit more information. Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it there, to be honest, Matt. Um, is that is that basically over the years of, of us testing and developing Guild Ball, we just noticed that we're we're, we're getting a lot quicker with things. And we, as Matt kind of said, really, I just can't repeat what you're saying, but uh, but you, you get things so much closer to the mark first time round. Um, and it was just such a, such a wonderful thing that we wanted to do for the communities to make sure that this was an absolute surprise for people that came out of nowhere. So we wanted to make sure there's absolutely no chance of any news of these getting out of anywhere. Um, and and I think we've I think we've been a really nice surprise for the community. The reaction so far has been really exceptional, and it's it's nice to see that the the hard work we've put in has been has been rewarded. So. Yes. Should we um, think... start? Oh, sorry, sorry, Sean, Karen. No, I was just going to say. I think for me the. Uh... I mean, the key thing that I remember the most from being a gamer for other different game systems is when we would have, like, um, if I use War Machine as the example, um, I remember back in the day playing the game and having, like, we knew there was a new book release coming out, for example, and we being obviously the community. We have no idea what's in there, but we know there's releases in that book for us. And everyone is anticipating with this, you know, there's this incredible level of anticipation of it's coming out. We don't know what's going to happen. As soon as this book drops, someone rushes to the store. They start opening the pages, taking pictures. The internet explodes, for example, and all these various different things. And we really wanted to generate that sort of idea of hype around these captains. Um, we really wanted to generate this thing where if we came out the gate exactly as Matt said without just saying anything to anybody for the most part so we have sort of you know zero zero possibility pretty much of like leak um, you know of anything getting out there yeah I mean not even all of the Steamforge staff for example really knew about these captains until a very late stage this was very much a very secretive kind of project and that's purely because it was just something where we sort of had it ticking in the background almost for a little bit where you know if you don't need to be involved in it at that stage then you aren't and it was just something where we knew that we were just going to literally blast out. Everyone gets super excited about it. The best memory for me about these new captains is I was actually looking at the Guildhall Discord um, when we announced them. We kind of yeah, we said there's something coming at four o'clock. There's something coming at four o'clock, and it has the Morn banner appear. And suddenly at the end of that, it has the tagline "New Captains." And just watching the comments explode all over this Discord of all of these fans going, "Where the hell did that just come from?" Mm. That was super cool. So, yeah, I think it was the biggest surprise I think I've ever had um, for the game. Because four o'clock was like, oh yeah, it's going to be big, big miners, bottles, or you know, whatever. It was certainly a shock. That's um, good. Any good way. Mission accomplished. Any good way. So let's go down the list, shall we? Um, so let's look at Boar. Here he is, uh, veteran Captain Boar. Look at him. Just look at him. Just look at him. Just look at him. You could probably blame Jamie for this one. Um, (laughs) We were all talking about, we all kind of said, oh, maybe we could take a Captain each or have a rough design or something along those lines. And Jamie went, I'll do the butcher. I know what I can do here. Um, So I don't think there's much point going through this entire card because the chances are, if you've managed to get on this podcast, the chances are you've also got the cards in front of you. Um, (laughs) But um, suffice to say, he's, he's got a playbook pretty similar to his old one. Momentous damage everywhere. Uh, attack eight. Um, he has singled out and stagger. Um, singled out to attach the damage. He still has berserk. Still has still has furious. Um, he has an influence stat um, of four two. So he gives more influence to the team than he can actually have himself. Um, he has bloodlust, which means once per turn he can give a model berserk if they spend a point of influence. And his legendary play, um, <laughs> which is um, within his orbit of six, six inches, everyone gets furious, so everyone can charge for free. 
So that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Seems good, right? Saying it. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Who wants to first, first talk about this guy <laughs> and explain yourselves? Go on, this is a really good example of what we just talked about actually in terms of getting an idea from this got a solid idea from the start and it actually just get it down on paper and you don't actually make have to make many particularly huge tweaks to it we knew that Boar wanted to carry over a lot of his identity from his original character he obviously keeps his berserk and furious that he already had in his his, his squaddy form and it's just that really simple idea of what about this what about we make a captain that can just give those abilities to his team that can make his team have berserk that can make his team have furious and go from there um, and then there were only small tweaks. I mean, things like the the the, the model having to spend an influence points to gain the berserk, for instance, such a small balancing tweak that came during playtesting. But really, this idea was was quite solidly formed from the from the very beginning. It didn't change too much during the during the dev process. Um, and the other thing as well is because this is uh, the only one of these four captains that's actually an existing character in Boar, that also gives even more firm footing for where what to go with him. Because any time that you're unsure with a character with with a brand new model, sometimes you just have to. You just have to sometimes search for a piece of inspiration if you didn't already have it in the first place or try and conjure something. And when you're working with a veteran model, you can always you've got that luxury of falling back on, well, what did we do previously and how can we use that and spin that in a more interesting way and do something a bit different? Um, and this guy just hits like an absolute freight train um, and he's just so much fun to play with. I mean, for a second, I say this every single time I talk about um, veteran ball, but let's just take a second to marvel at that ridiculous influence that <laughs> um, and, how, and how glorious it is. Uh, and and just kind of how cool it is that there's a model that brings more influence to the table than it, than it can physically use. There's a really cool idea that we've not really done before. Um, and on top of that, in terms of what he's bringing to the team for efficiency with Bloodlust, when he's giving out Berserk to a friendly model, they're making even more attacks with the when he influence they already had. And he's that in those two elements there kind of summarizes what he brings to the butcher's team in, a, in an efficiency captain that just allows you to make so many more actions, so many more attacks, and then, the, and then the free furious uh, charges as well on the legendary turn. Um, you just get to do so much stuff, which is really cool on a team that we wanted to be charging forward and attacking people with and playing aggressively with anyway. So, yeah. it's um, it's funny because as of recording this, we're recording this on the Monday, and the um, the captain's going to drop on the Friday. And t- today, the, the the captain cards were sort of dropped to to us media people, and. Um, uh, Jamie also say this. We've still seen some of the reactions of fellow media people about, about, this, about this card, and um, it's been, there's been some reactions from people saying this, this guy's falling in about him and everything else and how powerful he is. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's very good, but then again, so is Ox, right? I mean, Ox has a flat down for everyone around him all the time. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting really because we we kind of all that's that that's almost like the butcher reaction. <laughs> the first time you see a butcher model, people tend to, or at least it a lot of the time when people see first year butcher model people tend to go that is ridiculous how do you stop that that's nuts and that's exactly the same reaction we started to get from veteran board it's not terribly like it's not unexpected but at the same time what tends to happen with butchers is, is, is it's particularly evident when you see um uh, you know brand new groups of players coming to guild ball and the first thing they tend to say nine times out of ten is butchers the most broken thing in the world how do you stop them because they bring the most transferable skills from any other miniatures war game which is basically Kill how you go and fight people yeah yeah um and and they're, and they're fast as well which is very very helpful for applying that uh, and then as the skill group of the uh, the skill of the group rises people will go out to count the butchers uh, and then they sort of get normalized in terms of the power level and that and I, I don't think that's unfair to say that that's what we kind of expect to happen with veteran boar as well he is as most butcher characters are is very susceptible to control um like one of the, a very interesting thing happened on a recorded game that i played with um with bryce recently where 
I activated Veteran Captain Boar at the start of uh, the turn and he legendary charged into the fish team. And then he re- basically, the first thing he did was reposition Boar further away from the Butcher's team, actually threw himself so far back as he went behind the fish team. Um, and what that meant was is that nobody around Boar was close enough to be able to benefit from Bloodlust to gain the Berserk or to gain the Furious, which effectively nullified the legendary turn. So if, if you're not careful with it or you're playing against a canny player, there are some quite simple things you can do to switch him off. Um, even though at start at the at the start of things, he rightly does look quite ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, I think it's yeah, I think that's, that's basically it. There, we, we expect the reaction to be as it is, but over time that should normalise, um, and Bosch should just end up being quite a strong but fun character. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's scary if you let him do what he wants. Um, but any sort of pushes or controls to speed and stuff, or any, any sort of control at all, will certainly hurt him. Um, what made you want to choose a veteran rather than a new character for Butchers? This was a conversation we had um, quite early on, actually, because we didn't originally set out to make veterans these captains. We, I know that one of the things we talked about early on was just let's, let's make some brand new characters to add to the game. And we didn't start off, uh, please someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we started off with veteran Boar being the, the Butcher captain from for like is in the first conversation it was quite quickly only happened within a few days or within a week but the first conversation was let's start off with x butcher captain that has these abilities and the more down the list that we were going down those abilities we wanted to use it's like well that's even if we don't if we don't if we don't call him that is basically just bore so we may as well just go and make the character bore and then we had further conversations and then we then i was able to convince matt and showing that that um vegetable was the correct the correct path to take is that correct me if i'm wrong guys no that sounds about right um, I think the exact conversation went something along the lines of, well, you'd never take Boar of him anyway. He's already got Furious and Berserk, so we're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting how, how veterans are chosen, because I think often it seems to be what, what fits rather than sort of any sort of deliberate plan. Is that right? It seems what, what, feels, what feels appropriate rather than any sort of scheme or reason to it. It's kind of what fits at the time. Well, it's, it's a little from column A, column B. I mean, a lot of the times when the narrative um, is being developed for the game. We are keeping an eye on, you know, on, on reaction to storylines. And certainly we know how important certain storylines are and certain characters are. So we, we have a kind of a short list of, of, of characters from a narrative sense that would make a lot of sense to, to move into a veteran. But then, you know, as with, as with everything we do, it, it can't just be a narrative thing and there needs to be a gameplay reason and there needs to be a, you know, a, 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 an art reason as well. So um, it's, it is very on the moment, but we are kind of selecting from a, a smaller pool as opposed to just looking at everything and going, oh, it'd be good if we did that. And his art is glorious. Glorious. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at him. Um, Everyone loves Are you going to be doing any more story uh, for these characters at all in the future? Near future, or is it? The, is that the blurb we got it for now? No, no. Well, no, absolutely. I think. I mean, obviously, having a captain for a team is a big step for any for any team, uh, any of our sort of sides. So there's no way we couldn't support this with a story somewhere along the, along the way. But exactly like we just talked about, one of the most important things is what does yeah you know, what's the what is that story going to achieve? You know, when is the best place to introduce it? Is it part of a main story arc? Is it a sort of side story effectively? Um, you know, is this a springboard for something else happening? If we look at a character like Brisket, for example, her rise to captaincy is obviously interwoven clearly into the main story arc, so that's where that fits. Uh, perhaps Boar's story is is a sort of side note effectively. It, yes, it's a slight continuation of the Butcher Civil War, but it's not necessarily the main story for season five, for example. 
Um, I was going to finish it by saying or, or talking about what models would fit well in a board team, but I think any of them really would love free charge. <laughs> it's probably fine. <laughs> free, free charge seems to be fairly um, universally appealing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, berserk attacks and butchers. I don't know who, like, care who you take. It's pretty good. I do think you, you want to be looking at. Um, uh, high, I mean, as Jamie mentioned earlier, um, butchers are quite well blessed with high high mobility. But I would be looking at models that can kind of sit within that six inch aura, the bloodlust aura, and then have um, an extreme board threat. So um, yeah, high high mobility. Um, I think it makes uh, Shank pretty interesting. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the it's the first one that I look at the old tea towel wearer um, himself, which is an internal joke. I should probably explain it, shouldn't I? He has, he has no armor, so we just say he's wearing a tea towel. Um, <laughs> it's nothing more than that. But yeah, Shank with Boar, definitely try him first, uh, and then try Veteranox second. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, uh, what Boar likes even more than being a captain, uh, still having the owner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a free charge, yeah. then a berserk, a berserk ox. But, yeah, ox, yeah, pretty good. Scary. I think uh, Boar is actually um, a, the, so all of the captains have been uh, designed with uh, two key perspectives in mind, and um, Boar is perhaps uh, the most uh, weirdly the most subtle example of that. Um, and, and what I mean is the two, the two perspectives that we look at is what would what would this model do in the hands of an experienced player. And then also, we we are aware that you know people are still getting involved. You know, with Guild Ball uh, 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 a good rate, and um, uh, I'm sure Jamie and Sherwin would agree with me that you know um, factions or, or guilds such as um, like the Ratcatchers or the Falconers, um, and and I remember when the Hunters first came out, aren't necessarily terribly new player um, friendly. If I'm being perfectly blunt with with my words i think you need some degree of of uh, knowledge of how the game works and and some degree of practice with those with those guilds and so one of the things we we wanted to do with with these captains was actually give new players a pretty safe reliable landing spot um for for them to play and that's not to say that ox isn't a straightforward captain to to pick up and play of course he is but you know filet is 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 obviously slightly more uh, complex, but going back to looking at what what Boar can do, um, one of the things that you will see throughout all of the captains is this concept of um, a forgiving playstyle. So, bloodlust, you don't have to have uh, an order of activation um, question in your mind. You don't have to activate Boar first in order to set your team up. So, if you see an opportunity, you can activate Shank, and Shank can go charging off with Berserk and and rinse and repeat throughout the rest of your turn. And you're moving board wherever you want to, you know, wherever you need that to happen next, if you know what I mean. So as we go through these captains, keep an eye out for those kinds of abilities that that will lower the skill floor, but but maintain a high skill ceiling. So by that, I mean easier to play initially, but with still enough headroom for those experienced players to really practice and squeeze a lot of value out of. I guess that can link in some ways to the next uh, captain, Yukai Fisherman captain, who has a power on the back of their card. We're jumping a little bit where it has a power that works on the entire pitch. It works with them being there, right? Exactly right. Exactly mm. right. And just um, uh, just picking up on on something you said there. If you know at the bottom of uh, their card, oh, yes, I yes, I forgot. Uh, yeah, Yukai is uh, is is fluid in that regard. Yes. Yes. 
Apologies, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, um, no, I suppose it's, it's a you know it's a nice uh, segue to kind of highlight um, that the you know things like um, uh, oh my brain's gone blank. What's the um, what's the ability I'm thinking of that Flint has? Chant. Exactly. Stuff like that just uh, just isn't going to work. Yukai's not that bothered. Um, so Yukai is um, a fisherman captain. General that was great introduction. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, Jamie, pretty fast. Good kick stat, 4-6. Um, defense, 4. Influence, 4-6. Uh, momentum tackle on one hit, which is fairly rare in fishermen. Mm. Um, and two lovely cat plays. Swirling waters, which is kind of like hags cat play, isn't it? Um, mm. Two inch dodge, four influence, a range 6. So um, you kind of can move a... Um, Funny fishermen pair or themselves, and break the surface, which can um, um, target any model or free ball within range. Place the target model or free ball within four inches. Um, so a lot of ability to move uh, enemies around or free balls around. Um, mm. The most interesting powers, I think, Fukai is in the back of their card, and there's there's sort of two big ones that sort of stand out. Um, last cast catches the most. So that's the power that works on the entire pitch. Um, as long as Yukai is on the pitch, it works. Um, so whilst this model's on the, on the pitch, when a fellow model scores a goal and doesn't move the length, the activation doesn't end. So Yukai can score a goal, and Yukai's turn carries on going. Mm. So that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a thing. Definitely that's, a thing. That's, that's one of those that... Um, is is going to be uh, useful for, for 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 newer players or people who are, who are newer to the fisherman um, style of play, um, but in the hands of, of someone who who has you know several more games under their belt, the the amount of possibilities you can do with this this ability are are, are staggering. It's the jankiest um, thing, you know. There's really some serious is. jank there. Yeah. Any time that you you take a core game rule and just basically go ignore that rule. Uh, jank exists, and uh, this is possibly one of the jankiest things we've done for a long time. So, how often have you managed to score two goals in motivation with Kai? More often than I want to say. She's uh, oh, sorry. No, there's my there's my bad. Um, Yukai is uh, yeah yeah gives you a, a real potential for an eight point swing in a single activation, and it's terrifying when that happens. Yes, it is. The person who's played against Yukai the most by Matt's <laughs> controlling them is. Uh, <laughs> terrifying I think um, it's when you can uh, you can just take another model within 10 <laughs> inches and just place it wherever you want yeah so that's the legend though isn't it common's calling choose another model within 10 inches an in-game yeah. model within 10 inches place it within 10 yeah what <laughs> yeah so 21 inch place I mean Sounds that's fine. okay seems alright doesn't it yes alright <laughs> I mean, the important thing to talk about with with Yukai is this great sense of cinema about what the character is. There's this uh, real sense of sort of casting out a player, just like we talked about. So you kind of like a rod, you kind of cast back, grab the player, and then throw it forward. For example, there's this kind of real backfield general that's going on, which is hence the reason why Yukai's coach. Yeah. Um, and also the same thing with uh, wings over water, for example, uh, the the cormorants call that sort of stuff. It's all about the cinematics of it. It's all that kind of very much uh, sort of East Asian kind of old wizard master kind of stuff. And I think that's a big part of what the Yukai character is. What Sherwin's latching on, uh, you know, or, or highlighting there really is is a really good example of uh, the design process that we go through. Um, 
I'm I'm quite lucky that um, I have uh, people like Jamie and Bryce who are able to take um, a single cinematic image that that someone's dreamt up and actually translate it through into actually a coherent set of abilities and 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 traits. And it it happens like that almost every single time where um, you know I'll see a, a picture in my head of of this one cinematic moment and and can we do this? And um, I, I usually start those kind of conversations with, can I have an eight inch melee zone? And the answer is usually no, uh, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> and then we kind of work, we work <laughs> down we, from there. Laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it's, it's kind of, so for, for all of these captains, it's like, this is the one thing that I think will define this, this character the most in terms of uh, signature personality gameplay. And then the challenge now is, can you fill in the fill in the blanks, please? And fortunately, I, as I say, supremely blessed to have um, an awesome team of people who are actually able to take um, high-level mindless waffle and turn it into something fantastic. It's interesting how you've gone for a coach for this team. It kind of makes sense, because I guess with Fisherman, you've got the best striker sort of nailed down, being Shark. And obviously, um, Corsair does his own thing, so I guess having a sort of more support character makes a lot more sense for them. Um, well, I say you guys support in some ways. You guys still an amazing goal about themselves. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you picked up on that point, really, because that's there's two things that you guys summarises up quite well about this particular this wave of captains as a whole. It's not as clear on board, um, but you guys are good one to pick it up on. Is um, is that it, as a from a high level perspective, we started talking about these captains. We knew we wanted to adopt, take on explore more of the coaches, I guess, as captains. And we knew that was kind of our biggest area of untapped design space in terms of player types. And we knew that that was the kind of captain we wanted to try next. Something that is even more passive than a, than a support captain like Esther's, who can still certainly do a lot of personal work herself. Um, and even the cats, even even Bo started in that way, and that that that, we, that was the idea we started from, and then we just you know manipulated that over time to make it more appropriate for what's going to fit in the Butcher's Guild. It's kind of like how Meat Hook is technically Butcher support, even though Meat Hook is not like any other support model in the game. Um, and on top of that, as well as the the idea of these global passives, when we talked about last uh, last cast catches the most is we, we want to, for start point of that we want to put as many of these not as many of these but we'll try and put at least one of these abilities on each of the captains if possible some of them had to gain auras eventually in maximum ranges due to you know balance is a thing i guess <laughs> but um it was hmm. an inter- that was the those two ideas were really big starting points for us from a high level perspective uh, yeah. they survive they survive very much intact on UK in both cases yeah the other the other thing to to really look at which i think is kind of fascinating uh, for Yukai in particular is is in terms of um, a captain to give to a new player or someone who's new to that guild fishermen already have that player and he's called shark so so we actually had a, a different style of design space there for a captain that actually didn't need to be as instantly pick up and play as for for example Boar is um, and, and so there's a there was uh, if you forgive the terrible pun, there's a lot more room for a bit more kind of depth um, in in Yukai's character design as a result of that. Yeah, I can see that because if you want to if you want to fish harder, you can't go go more more than shark, can you? Um, right. So you can't make a lot more sense in terms of having a bit more complex character to go for. Um, very interesting. I think um, it's hard to know at first how good a sport cap is going to be because I think. A lot of people would veer towards sort of super solo characters. 
Um, but I think Ikai, for, for, good, for good, a good player, will be able to do so much goal jank and sc- score so fast, it'll be hard to keep up. Yep. Um, I and guess... The, the, the most terrifying thing is is uh, if, you, if you put yourself in a position and allow that to happen, um, you can't even put the ball anywhere safe because uh, you guys are going to just hunt it down. Yep. Yeah, very scary indeed. Um, mm-hmm. Make make yes. some angel very good, right? Yeah, I love angel. Um, so next up, um, Steeljaw, who's just horrible. <laughs> Wonderful, you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. can, can you guess sad. who? Can you guess who took lead on on Steeljaw? Oh, they're all going to curse me now. You know, <laughs> you, know, you, know like, you know, you know, like Jay Carr and how his traps used to do bleed, and he lost them, and I was happy about that. <laughs> now, now you can have a whole team of them. So, yeah. Now, what was what was for when we said well, the first thing when we were talking about uh, Steeljaw and the new captains is we kind of as we've already said we identified you know what what's going to be different about this captain compared to anything else. And for the hunters, for my mind, it was really about kind of focusing on the key aspect of you know what the actual trade is that they do. So let's have a let's have a dedicated trapper. Let's not necessarily you know perhaps go the sort of um, the sort of uh, the route that we've had with kind of that sort of druidic kind of law route we've gone with Theron or Scather, for example. Let's instead look at the sort of raw stuff that we actually see with, you know, with actual hunting. Hence the change in name that actually is a different thing. Obviously, Steeljaw is a type of trap, unsurprisingly, but also it doesn't necessarily reflect any sort of slightly mystical leanings that the rest of our characters have. I am I am sad that um, Snappy McTrapface did not make it through. <laughs> it was tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, change it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's the new name. So, but one of the things we, um, one of the things I had in my mind is this uh, this image in my head, the cinematic of this, of basically this trapper who strides across these desert dunes because we, are, I, I knew that we would need to bring in our desert hunters at this stage, and just literally strides across kind of the the dunes with this trail of traps behind them, uncaring of the trail they're leaving because they know that the sand will just sweep away and cover their tracks anyway. Plus, the creatures they hunt are so massive that there's just not really a worry about being... Yeah, you can't necessarily be stealthy or hide from them because they're so huge, it's easy to get around them anyway. And that's kind of where the visual for this character came from. But obviously, one of the things we wanted to do is... And this is actually where the um, where the always-on ability first came from, is this idea of... Well, what's easier for a new player to pick up on in terms of the traps? You know, do you have to worry about, oh, well, I need to put my player there because I have to get out the measuring stick to make sure this trap is so far away from me, but so is this one and everything else. That's a nightmare. Do we keep exchanging the bubble until it's massive, or do we just simply have a rule that says, hey, if this captain's on the pitch, then it works this way? And that's possibly the most user-friendly thing we could think of for a new player. They don't have to worry about measuring anything. They can literally just go, you know what, my player's here, so that's fine. And it also gives your opponents a real counterplay to it, because if you really don't want to be bleeding, if you don't want that sort of stuff to happen, you need to take Steeljaw off the table, which means that your opponent now has a new objective to actually go with. And that's kind of where a lot of the always-on kind of abilities came from. Mm. Mm. I like having Guildball. A lot of the models are quite sort of low fantasy and everything else. Then you got a woman with a bear trap cloak. <laughs> perfectly fine don't fall over <laughs> well I mean the best thing about steel draw is this sense that obviously if you try to hit her then you literally might get your arm caught in a trap anyway um, so it works and, and steel draw is a really good example of um, of us um, you know we, we talk an awful lot about design space design space is quite a you know a hot phrase amongst kind of 
game designers. Um, and an awful lot of the time when you're looking at design space, you feel constrained kind of laterally. Um, but this is this is very much one where we excavate it down within the footprint that we already have. So we're doubling down on traps and, and hunters as a as a as a guild. Their unique thing is the traps that they can put out. So so what can we do with those traps to make them more effective or more interesting to play or or have more you know impact on the game? Um, so expect to see this to be quite a strong direction for, for hunters going forward because it just opens up this new basement of, of you know, that we can kind of explore together uh, for this guild. So you're saying for some, for some guilds you find it easier to sort of dig deeper into what they can do rather than sort of spreading out? Yes. I yep. think that's definitely true. Um, and in the case of the hunters, and it, it, gave, it gives us the, especially Steeljaw, she gives us real license to kind of explore what some of the other hunters can do beyond what they normally do exactly like matt said at the start where we kind of say well let's look at we could switch on i think it's about anyway sorry jamie if it was you but it's about switching on new abilities for other members of the team that they haven't necessarily had before or new ways to play them and in the case of steel jaw it's very simple that all of the players suddenly get big game traps so now they're all trappers too which Not changes well, there was there was a point where the bear could put out traps, but uh. I thought that, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, my first reaction was the bear could do that, where the, where the card gets. Oh, thank God, the bear got the back on. The, the, be- the best part about that was the <laughs> argument. The argument, I think, or arguments, obviously too strong a term. The discussion basically centered around. Well, yeah, but that's totally unfeasible. The bear's not going to put out a trap. Forget the fact that the bear is a terrifying instance where it can put out its own trap. It's more like, well, how's it going to do it? We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was a conversation at one point where we were talking about, oh, it's fine, people could just imagine there's some kind of trap launcher on the bear's back and it's fine, it works that way. Well, they're called, they're called bear traps. Bears can use them. It's in the name. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so go through a copy fleet. She has she has stats. They're, they're stat like. Um, she has a six inch pulse pulse called bait. It um, costs two. She can place two traps within this pulse and then push two enemy models within well an inch so into them. Um, she has this disarm so minus two attack, weak point, multiple arm. Uh, both of them are triggered off two hits off playbook. Uh, she attack five. But then again, of course she will have things snared all the time. Um, so her two sort of global powers, uh, as we just mentioned, um, every human model on the team will have the ability to place down their own trap each turn. And then wedge on the pitch, each trap that gets triggered can either give a model a weak point, which is uh, minus one armour for the turn, or bleed. Um, she can then, for a legendary play, she can remove any number of traps and place up to five um, within a pulse of six. Basically, everyone's going to be snared all the time. I mean, um, they can shake the effect. Uh, Don't yeah, forget, hunters are very much a... Um, yeah, well, yeah, quite. But they, <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a tempo team, and they're, a, um, they're absolutely a, um, a territory um, um, force projection. So they, they are about forcing your opponent into places where they don't want to go. Yeah. And using traps to kind of funnel the enemy team is is key to to being successful with hunters, I think. Yeah, they're very good at sort of maybe uh, having models sort of isolated as well, aren't they? And um, picking off yeah. targets, which kind of makes them makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Really, is what they can do, um, fluff wise and all that. Yeah, I mean, and, and using using the legendary to 
to suddenly put a wall of five traps straight down the middle and splitting a, an, an enemy team in two or, or isolating one or two models off and making it very hard for them to get back to relative safety or for someone to come in and provide support for them is um, is, is pretty terrifying when you see it happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's actually surprisingly flexible, just like Matt said. The other option you can do with Steel Jaw is literally surround the model you're about to attack with five traps, punch them once, and they set off five traps in a row... <laughs> <laughs> which is a brilliant, which is the best mental image ever. And then, of course, just for funsies, you can then hit them again, trigger bait, put down another two traps, and push them once more. It's not a scene of someone walking with all those rakes at once, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, still, still draws a lot of fun. Um, fun. And super. Uh, talk about um, showing how, um, like, new player friendly, the perf- like perfect positioning is. You know, um, and the reasons why we came up with that, but also how it applies for a you know a super experienced hunters players. I mean, yeah, just what Matt said. Um, <laughs> no, to be fair, it's, one of the things we originally talked about was... Um, so trap markers are exactly as we said. They're, they're one of the key tenants of what you have as a hunter player. But the crucial point that new players have is, hey, I'll put down this trap over here, and then no one ever goes near it, and now my player can't use their ability every turn. So if I've got Chaska or... Yeah, I, I put down a trap every turn. doesn't go anywhere. It's just counting towards the amount of traps I have on the pitch. Do that a couple of times, and suddenly now what? You know, my tools that I have to work with feel really redundant. And you know, it's very easy for a new player to not understand the best place to put the things, just put the down traps down to affect the game so much. So one of the ideas we had with Steel Drill was, well, let's be super forgiving with this. Let's let's be able to take all of the miss, you know, all the misplay traps off the table that you don't necessarily want to have out there, and just put them where you actually need them to go. Whether that, you know, so exactly as we just said, so you can, you know, sever the pitch down the middle, surround the player with them, you know, put one next to every single one of the opposition players if you want to, and therefore mean that everyone when they're about to move suddenly becomes snared and bleeding. There's lots of different ways to use that, but it's mostly designed again, much like what we said about having the traps on the pitch anywhere and having unlimited range on kind of the always on abilities is about having a character where it's very, very forgiving for a new player. Because one of the things you find a lot with the hunter, the hunter, hunters especially is they're a very strong guild, but they're also not necessarily the most intuitive guild for a new player to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, Theron especially, you know, I've seen a lot of people over the years play with Theron and kind of go, I just don't quite get how I'm supposed to use him. I, I think I've got to give him a lot of influence to do stuff, and he's got loads of core abilities, but I don't quite know how to control the table properly. And that's always true of every control team, every everything out there. That's the most difficult way to play it and sort of yeah, really master. But Steeljoy is a great example of a character where you know, she kind of gives you a little bit of a sort of more intuitive way of doing that. But at the same time, because we have flexibility there, I think also she's quite good in the hands of the experienced player as well, just like Matt said. Um, we can make, you know, we can really introduce this character where there is a viable option uh, with a high skill cap for a veteran player to look at this, you know, to look at Steel Drone and go, okay, I could do serious things with this player. I think she also offers um, quite, well, with the other two captains, quite a wide range of playstyles, doesn't it, Hunters, really? Mm. Um, you know, that, that, th- that, that guild can really kind of go in sort of different directions now. Well, I think weirdly, in a strange way, and it's been a little while, I will admit, since I've played Hunters, but Theron is very much the sort of range guy who stands at the back, he kind of buffs the rest of his team a little bit and wants to keep everybody, all of the enemy at distance and sort of, you know, shoots them with the arrows that slow them down, snare them, that sort of stuff. Scafer is very much your goal run captain who's sort of running in, scoring a goal, and that's pretty much where they're going, where she's going from. And then Steeljaw is kind of almost that slightly melee-centric kind of character who wants to be in the middle of the pitch controlling what's going on. 
um, which obviously gives you a slight vulnerability, but that's obviously the flip side that you know no player is invincible, right? So we have this this idea that if you have the sort of long range distance captain, you have the middle range one, and then you have the super close up kind of running in to tackle the ball and score goals captain. So again, you've got three very distinct Quite a wide styles. range, yeah. Um, and now I'm playing Mort. Um, I think she's top of the list of um, characters that need to go in the casket as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it um, really does hurt your team when she goes off the team when she goes off the pitch hugely, because suddenly yeah. your traps don't do anything anywhere near as much as what they were doing, uh, which you kind of build your team around, right? So yeah, it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Um, and finally, then on to Morn. Oh, lovely Morn! Lovely Morn. Morn was the one that we spoiled ages ago. How was guys paid attention to? No, no, we spoiled Morn at Christmas time. That was, oh, yes. Christ- uh, the that, that was everybody's that. Christmas present. Yeah, she yeah. was in the Christmas Carol. Yeah, <laughs> we even said that she was the future. We couldn't have been more plain, right? And we said Grave Candle in that story as well. <laughs> All you can do is make people scour your stories for like mad sort of cuckoo series and everything else. I mean, if, if that makes people want to read the stories more, then I'm not going to argue with them. <laughs> Where should we start with her? I'm not sure. Um, um, I've heard Jamie likes mods. I do. I I do. Um, so there's a couple. There's a couple of different places to start with her, and there's a. <clears throat> she kind of more actually think um, touches on a number of the points we've already said again with the themes running through these captain models. Um, so I'll start with the top one, which I guess, which is she's got to represent a different form of control that is a little bit easier to use than than scalp and mobulus. Um and. The, the type of control Morn brings to the table is kind of a it, it's control through resistance to control, and what I mean by that is every single team in the game that that can perform takeouts um, has a form of control where you can get activation advantage on your opponent. And what I mean by that is activate a model earlier in the turn. If you can take out an enemy model before it's activated, your opponent loses all that influence if there's any influence on it, and they lose that activation for the turn. So you, you're getting multiple activations together in a chain towards the end of the turn if you if you've done it quite right. And against Morn, if the Morn player doesn't want that to happen, that can never that doesn't ever have to happen because you effectively have an immortal team as long as your team stays within um, the Grave Candle aura of Morn, um, because it's it's kind of super reanimate. As soon as a model hits the taken, would hit zero HP being sort of taken out condition, they can gain that. They can you can give the opponent the two VPs they'd have anyway, and just immediately give that model its half health back. So even though the opponent has still scored victory points, you haven't lost that activation, you haven't lost that influence at all. So. This this eats the pressure quite a lot on newer players because one of the hardest things to learn about um, about any game where positioning is important is to do perfect positioning and where not to put models, where to put models to get the maximum effect. And we've all been there where we've we've put a player out of position and gone, oh well, so and so is just going to get taken out now. That's not great. I'm just, that's a wasted model. And you almost never have to worry about that with Morn, or it's certainly a much reduced risk anyway, because that as long as Morn is nearby. And that uh, that model will nearly never be uh, at risk of being removed from the table as long as the Morn player doesn't want that to happen. Mm, uh, I've just I've just got mental images of Morn sitting there with Gaston casket. Oh, oh she loves Gaston, yeah. doesn't she? <laughs> you, can make, you can make such an incredibly yeah resistant and, and difficult team to play against as well because like Gast is Gast is such a fantastic example. I'm glad you raised it, Matt. Uh, because so many of other Morn's abilities synergize so well with players like Gast, where. He's already a pain for the opposing team to deal with anyway because of rising anger and fear and having to spend extra influence to hit him. He generates momentum and he damage him. And then you can do things like put hollowed onto him where <laughs> you, da- you damage Gast. You don't get any momentum for damaging Gast. And then the mortician team get momentum because you damaged Gast. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's quite funny, uh, at least from a mortician player's perspective. And then when he hits you, and then some other, in terms of like quite simple, straightforward and powerful abilities, things like malice, giving some, just giving someone plus two attack is a very straightforward way uh, to buff a model. Again, really good example. Come back to someone like Gast who has the unmasking; you can trigger that so much more easily. Um, fated with access to rerolls uh, when something goes wrong, and you just think, oh, my plan's going to fall apart now. On uh, whether it's an attack, a kick of the ball, or using Cosset to throw a lore at somebody and it misses, that's fine. You can pick those dice up and re-roll them. You don't have to set that up at all. Um, it's just as long as you're within, within the area around Morn. Um, in terms of representing those high-level ideas we talked about, she, through all of those abilities, she's being very passive and being a coach. Has those... Um, they're not global passives because they, they these ones are so powerful they definitely need to have a maximum range. But the fact that Morn doesn't have to activate at all to get the most out of these abilities, she just has to be there in the middle of your team um, to, to make the rest of your of your squad is more powerful. It's insanely good. It sinks to be the one because she has you know two very strong captains to sort of compete against. Oh. Um, so I guess it's a challenge to make a support captain sort of good enough. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess part of that is giving her some of her builders sort of into sort of always that are always there rather than things just have to turn on. I mean, th- these are definitely in terms. I mean. I guess re- recent context, maybe notwithstanding as much, but the the auras on Morn are certainly in competition for some of the most powerful auras, passive auras that we put in the game to date. Um, and that is they, that's that's actually necessary because she's such a passive miniature that doesn't do too much uh, in her activation. She's she's your 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 general captain activations uh, for for a lot of teams, particularly for morticians, are going to be this model needs to activate, have a phys- big physical impact on the pitch, and generate a lot of momentum. And that's just not something Morn does. So therefore, that power vacuum has to be filled by these passives that make her squaddy so much more powerful around her. And it's and then, just really, it's, it's really interesting alternative for morticians to play with. Your squad is having that impact. Sorry, Matt. Go on. I was going to say exactly that, mate. Is is um, the most interesting thing for me about Morn is is how she um, she brings other players into into play, and and suddenly you're seeing you know models like Graves or Silence actually getting loaded up with influence and realizing they actually have an awful lot that they can do, and and perhaps with Obulus and, and Scalpel, the temptation is always to quite heavily load up on those because they are obviously powerful, you know, super solo pieces. But seeing the rest of the team coming alive with, with the influx of influence is fantastic and Morn enables that to happen. So it's a it's a really subtle way of, of, of her competing with Obulus and Scalpel by not competing for the spotlight uh, and it makes you be able to use the rest of your team more effectively. What was really interesting about today, in particular, actually, just just it's interesting that we picked today to do this recording because we've already because by the time this recording, people have already seen the Morn Spotlight video where they see they've seen most of her abilities now, but they haven't seen uh, like all of the playbook. They haven't seen the stat line for Morn, so they haven't seen that four four influence stat yet. <laughs> and I was watching a lot of the comments and the discussion taking place, and people already talking. Not everybody, but there were some people still like actually the mortician players talking about how oh she's only got a three column long playbook and she's got attack buff that she can use on herself that is true that is definitely not the best way to use that attack buff <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, just solidified by that that low influence cap that she is she, that is probably one of the more one of the more uh, obvious elements of her that she she really isn't meant to have this big impact on the pitch and she's almost been prevented from having that because of that low, low for a captain low cap um yeah, chances are you might not give it more than two. Yeah, and then occasionally use a quick time every now and then, yeah. maybe. But certainly, yeah, you can absolutely get away with two in most instances. Possibly for me, the the best part about Morn, um, and you can tell where I come to this, uh, or where I approach this versus someone like Jamie, is we have the scary ghost slash demon zombie child 
who is effectively immortal thanks to their own grave candle. Um, <laughs> you can't kill Morn. Morn will never die. Um, this is something where you've got, you know, in terms of game raw game mechanics, that's true. But I love the thematic of what Morn is bringing to the table. It is literally this this model, which you know you can spend as much time. You know, Boar could run up to Great uh, to Morn, just hack her to pieces, and she gets back up again. For me, the visual on that is incredible. I love that. So it's surprising in some ways you gave her the human keyword. Well, yeah, maybe she was human <laughs> at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, she's very interesting because yeah, I think um, I think some for control is not hugely obvious at first. Like Pub Masters, which is obvious what we can do, you know. Um, but having a team that will never, well, often not give up its activations or its influence for just things, it's pretty good. Or it's or it's board control as well. Like, yeah. Don't forget, you know, a lot of the times you're trying to take a model out to free up some space, aren't you? Um, and that fated all that. She's absolute money. I think. She, I think she, you know her, her and Cossa, for example, would be best, best friends. Hmm. Um. So Perkins, um, who do you think would work well in the Morn team? Um. Well, this is good. This is good that all this stuff's released on the same day. Pelage, actually. Um. To be honest, even po- even pre Arata, but post Arata, Pelage works incredibly well with Morn. She's someone that already brings her own empathy to the table, so she's stacked quite well with the fact that you can, when you use Hollowed, you've got two miniatures on the table there that the opponent are going to struggle to generate momentum from. Um. And an, inter- an interesting thing I've been experimenting with actually is you can do an interesting anti sort of anti momentum comp to the opponent where you can you've already got rising anger on Morn you can bring a second rising anger model in Gast and we've already talked about how good Gast is with Morn Pelage also has empathy as well and then you've got two dark doubts models in terms of um, veteran hemlock and dirge where if you take them out you're losing momentum and then whoever the last model is that can be anybody else that's just the person you stick empathy on all the time and you kind of just sit there and go generate momentum from me I'll wait. <laughs> um, and what, um, what Jamie's saying is, is his mortician team has all got defense five and will never die. I mean, that is also something you can do, yeah. So you can make a team that is quite difficult. I mean, obviously, very difficult to get takeouts on in the first place because of <laughs> very difficult, slash impossible to because of the grave candle. But you can make that even more difficult for the opponent by bringing those higher defense models that are difficult to pin down and, and get serious damage on. And you can just get so much more value out of Grave Candle by bringing a bringing a model that is already difficult to take out. Um, Casket, another fantastic example, because oh, yeah. he has inbuilt reanimate, tough hide. He's not easy to take down. Um, and then with Grave Candle on top of that, it just becomes incredibly, incredibly hard um, to get points out of him um, consistently. Anyway, and she's one of the things about morn is she's she's definitely got an inbuilt weakness to footballing teams she's not going to be she's definitely not going to be like a, a always use this captain all the time for the morticians it's going to be a time when you have to think about it quite carefully to say the butchers or the brewers or someone else that fights quite well um but she doesn't have any sort of anti-goal scoring tech um so you've got to think about who you're going to drop her into i'm sure there's another another place i was going with that point and i actually forgot what it was now no <laughs> lost it got i lost the train of thought I do apologize well, that's why I have two captains, isn't it? Choose from. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, New Pelage, um, obviously this is releasing the same day as the Arata, same, same minute as the Arata. Uh, New mm. Pelage now with Momentous 2 on two hits, isn't it? And with Killer mm. as well. Killer Mel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can Momentous 3 on two hits sometimes. Also bring singled out, singled out stacks in rending, like, <laughs> stacks incredibly well with Malice. Oh, God. Yeah, those two on the same target. <laughs> 
Um, it's, it's tack buffs, just simple tack buffs like that are actually a very interesting way of turning Mortician playbooks on because one of the things that we do with Mortician playbooks is make them inconsistent in momentum generation and sometimes it can be quite difficult to hit their their, their really, really special momentous results and then when you start applying a solid tack buff to it like Sigildow or Malice you can hit those results much more consistently and they can if you want them to become much better fighters yeah looking at more um, playbooks basically they're always like one hit away from being good momentous damage yes. like from, from being regular uh, so even a small tap buff to them is huge. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it looks really interesting. I think Sunny is the probably the weirdest of the four, which kind of fits given who it is. <laughs> yeah, and just just kind of building on one of the earlier points as well in terms of easy to easier to pick up and but difficult to master. Is, um, although you can put it in the hands of a very skilled player and they'll do some really interesting things with it. In terms of the choices around Grave Candle, because it's a May, you don't have to keep the model on the pitch. It's not so you can't you can't. Um, you can't pin a model down and then just farm victory points from it because Morn can choose not to save it with Grave Candle and have it go away. Um, that that sort of metagame of choices becomes very interesting when you take two high-level players because the appropriate thing to do to stop Grave Candle is to apply overwhelming force. So to go in and take a model out with your first attack, knowing that you then have four or five more attacks to follow if Morn chooses to save the model and Morn has to be careful that she just doesn't just give you four victory points from one miniature. But at the same time, that means for the Morn player's perspective, you can force the opponent into wasting influence where they have to apply the overwhelming force to take out a model. And you're like, that's eh, fine, I'll just take it off. And you've just wasted three or four influence worth of attacks. Um, <laughs> and that, that, that sort of thought and counter thought gets really, really interesting at every level of play. That's interesting. Um, yeah, because obviously the, the choice is really important, isn't it? Because you could basically use it at the wrong point and die twice, for example. <laughs> Absolutely, and one of the things that probably will catch people out about Grave Candle is that it's it's very similar to Reanimate in the inter- mechanically it's identical. Um, you don't remove the miniature from the table; they just recover the health straight away. But it, but it also the, di- the difference is important in that it's a, it recovers health up to your halfway point uh, or your recover level, but you don't remove conditions. So if you if you're choosing to save a knockdown model, for instance, you have to be absolutely certain that's the right thing to do. Otherwise, you could be giving your opponent super easy access to additional victory points. Yeah, I think um, that's going to be a certain experience thing, and it could be very easy if you don't pay attention. If you're like on, if you're like, for example, um, on the clock and running out of time, um, I think a bad call could lose you even more, couldn't it? If you're unsure. If you're unsure. You know, I thought that's Absolutely. what it is. Um, so that's the four captains then. It's quite exciting, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you like them? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're really cool. They're really cool. Um, um, so in some ways, because um, it was hard for me to work out where, where we were going to go. With four new ones, um, I think I, I managed to kind of predict what a boar's going to have in some ways um, because it's boar. <laughs> you know? um, I was fairly sure boar would have more influence, stat, more influence to the team that could take himself because I thought he'd keep, keep him berserk and furious. Um, so he was pretty easy to look at. Um, uh, Yukai and Steeljaw and Morn were complete surprises to me, really. Um, so they're all, they're all very exciting. And um, it'd be really interesting to see. Um, the appear in the wild like um, obviously this is launching on Friday so we- a week after the launch is Vengeance yeah um, so I really hope to see some see some um, new captains there I probably will play Morn for all my games just so it happens which is oh. probably the worst choice um, because I think she has my, you know as uh, Jamie said I think into four teams she's not great but I just want to see what happens really and play a lot of games with her I'd argue actually that's the best way to learn someone. Uh, it, it, is, you grab it, your, is. it should grab your new captain. I mean, I remember last year at Vengeance, I took uh, Order 
um, back before they were the, the team, as it were. I was the order player at the event and just, just learned to play brisket on the fly. Um, super fun. It's the best way to play, right? It's just exciting right now. Like, um, something's being released at once and um, I think the community seems really hyped up for, for this month. It's great. And um, I, I'm sure that as you know, March goes into April and, and so on, we'll have more things launching off. So I think the next few months seem really exciting. <laughs> mission mission accomplished yeah um, so, so welcome to what we've been struggling to hide from everybody for months now yeah i mean um i guess the 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 top tip for everyone is to try and bug your car so we're back for steam car next year <laughs> definitely try and yeah ride share uh with with me and Sherwin. lend you um, a pen with a recording device or something lots lots of shizzle happens in that car, on that car journey as uh, as Jamie will attest to when he gets like random uh, Discord messages where we're going, just had an idea for an Alchemist mo- model. How about this, this, and this? And it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Show is yeah. bouncing along. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm like, so have you guys got any car trips this week? Because I want to know if anything's going to be fed in my way. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I'm interested to know what the sort of broken ideas that have first a first pass and no are, you know. <laughs> so, so the most entertaining one, I don't think anyone will mind me uh, saying this. We came up with an alchemist captain where we fired it across to Jamie and Bryce <laughs> on the way up to, on the way up to HQ. <laughs> and Matt and I thought this character was genius. Now, we loved, genius. Yeah, we loved Boomer. Boomer was really, really cool. <laughs> um, the problem is, by the time we'd already got to Manchester, walk straight through the door, walk into the dev office, and Jamie just looks at me and says, I can't take this model seriously. <laughs> yeah, are you actually serious? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way this is a model in our case. Boomer had an explosive fist that could push people 20 inches. That's fine. By the time we got to Manchester. <laughs> We, we have this mechanic where we could stack AOEs every time Boomer hit you, and then there's a character play which meant that basically it cost it, it, you pushed the model directly away from the center of the AOE, d6 inches direction, and you could stack it for multiple AOEs. So or we, we had, or, or you could daisy chain them and bounce them from AOE to AOE around the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a thing of glory, but yeah, we couldn't make it not ridiculous. So now it's only 10 inches now, is it? It's been changed. It's been nerfed now, is it? Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah that's like a uh, really quiet version. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm, actually um, I'm super pleased that um, a lot of what you would consider the crazy ideas have, have, have largely survived, not necessarily fully intact, but certainly uh, very much intact. Um, so you, you, are, you are seeing... Um, I think you know a huge amount of creativity in these captains, um, and a lot of freshness, uh, a lot of um, what we think are incredibly exciting cinematic ideas are actually you know translated through into into actual gameplay on the model. So I'm I couldn't be more proud of the work that the guys have done on this. Um, I really couldn't. I think they're a fantastic addition to the game. Um, yeah, yeah, they really are, and um, I, I look forward to going to Vengeance and getting. Um veteran Captain Boar to run at me and kill teeth in more than once probably. I'm sure I'll see him towards me and murder me a few times um, definitely take casket so you can reduce his charge absolutely absolutely and hope I go first in the turn yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. casket's a must well he always is anyway um, shall I put him in the box as fast as possible uh, brilliant <laughs> well um, thanks for that um, it's been great to have all three of you on very welcome uh, mate anytime yeah. 
um, and um, hopefully we can have you all on again if there's any other releases in the future linked to other captains. <laughs> Soul hits are here again, says Andrew. Silence, <laughs> deafening well, silence. There, there might be some more captains. There might be some more captains. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You never know. All right. Um, right. Um, cheerio. Bye. Adios. Bye.